Let's see here. Today is the 13th of August. I'm Charlie Garrett. This is the CG Prophecy Report. The ultimate gaslighting. That and a lot of other things to go over on today's report. All right, let's see. We got some news from Israel here from the Times of Israel. Israeli built satellite blasts into space for Singaporean customers. They built the satellite, Singapore bought it, and then it went out by the Indians. The DSSAR satellite was made by IAI on behalf of Singapore's Defense Science and Tech Agency and the country's ST Electronics Engineering Group. It was launched from Sri Harikota, India, and carried into space on an Indian delivery rocket. IAI said in a statement that DSSAR has been successfully launched and entered Earth orbit in space. The satellite underwent a series of tests by IAI engineers who confirmed it was functioning correctly. While in orbit, the satellite will begin a pre-planned series of tests, which are going on right now, and following their completion will be formally handed over to its Singaporean customers, DSTA and ST Electronics. The SAR sensor payload enables collecting a wide range of data in terms of both coverage and resolution, day and night, and under all weather conditions. IAI did not provide further details about the DSSAR satellite's mission, but noted that it was developed based on experience gained from constructing the OPSAT for Italy and the Texar satellite for Azerbaijan. Texar was also launched from India, while OPSAT took off from Italy. Both are military reconnaissance satellites. The satellite is to provide imagery for various Singaporean agencies. There were a total of seven Singapore satellites in the payload, the largest of which was DSSAR weighing 800 pounds. That's a pretty big satellite considering the Elon Musk satellites for his, um, uh, what is it, Starlink? They're like this big. They're just teeny little things. But he puts out many, many of them. But uh, this is a really big satellite. It's there certainly for military intelligence. You know, they're having all kinds of problems with the Chinese in that part of the world right now, and I'm sure that weighs in heavily on this. From the Al Jamainer, Israeli and Saudi companies announce historic energy venture as business ties warm. Israeli renewable energy company Solar Edge and Saudi Arabian investment conglomerate Ajlan and Brothers Holding announced a joint venture for developing solar energy infrastructure in the oil-rich kingdom as it undertakes to phase out fossil fuels. Established in 2017, Ajlan and Brothers Holding began as a textile business in the 1970s and expanded to become one of the largest holding companies in the Middle East and North Africa, spreading into real estate manufacturing and finance. Ajlan and Brothers placed all of its assets under one umbrella after Saudi Crown Prince bin Salman announced Vision 2030, an initiative aimed at modernizing Saudi Arabian economy and civil society, in anticipation of forming a public-private sector partnership for furthering its goals. The joint venture between ABH and Solar Edge follows numerous reports that formal establishment of diplomatic relations between Israel and Saudi Arabia is imminent a development that would open a new chapter in the history of the Middle East geopolitics. Israeli Foreign Minister Eli Cohen said the two countries are the closest we have ever been to peace agreement. 
SolarEdge is committed to driving the clean energy transition on a global scale, exemplified by this joint venture, which will provide local enterprises in Saudi Arabia with the support they need to rapidly transition away from fossil fuels to clean solar energy and meet their aggressive renewable energy goals. Okay, there's no doubt that this Saudi agreement is going to come out. I don't know if it's going to be done under Biden or if it's going to just be done between the Saudis and the Israelis, but we know from Ezekiel that Saudi Arabia will not be participating in the war of Gog Magog against Israel. Then you would assume that they would have a agreement before that happened, or they may be, you know, decide to join the war. But they're not going to, so my guess is that they will make an agreement with Israel, and it'll probably be not far from now. From Fox, historical find in the Holy Land as a 2,000-year-old biblical-era coin uncovered. They find lots of these, but this is just kind of an interesting uh, story on it. Israel Antiquities announced that it found a rare silver half-shekel coin from the time of the first Jewish revolt against the Romans over 2,000 years ago in the Judean desert. These coins were minted in the values of shekel and half shekel at the time of the first revolt of the Jews against the Romans in Judea between 66 and 70 AD when the second temple was destroyed. One explanation for this find is that Jerusalem minted coin fell from the pocket of a rebel who escaped to the desert during the revolt, perhaps on his way to nearby Engedi. The leaders of the Jewish revolt chose to defy the rulers and to mint silver coins autonomously using the Hebrew script and without the image of the ruling emperor. It seems that the coins were minted in Jerusalem, possibly in the temple precinct. So kind of interesting. It's one of their rebel coins. So it's a little rarer than what you'd find otherwise. Okay, we got some news from Christianity today from the Western Journal. Student abruptly arrested while reading... From Bible on Sidewalk. One of my friends sent me this article this morning, and uh, I've seen it on a couple of other places, and I'm totally in agreement with them arresting him. And you'll want to know why in a second? I'll tell you why in a second. A Wisconsin man was arrested over the weekend for reading his Bible on public property, which is legal, to protest an LGBT drag event aimed at children, according to the report. So far, so good. He was told he was being arrested for, can anybody guess why? Amplifying his message with the use of a microphone and a speaker. Every time that I bring this up, I say that person's rights were violated because he was speaking with his own voice and they arrested him and they are always vindicated because you can do that. You can yell at the top of your lungs if you want to and they can't arrest you. You have a right to speak your voice in this nation. But you also have the obligation to obey the laws of the local area. If they say you must get a permit to amplify your voice, then you must get a permit to amplify your voice. He did not do that. He was arrested. I have no problem with this at all. In spite of the fact that he was exercising his First Amendment free speech right from a sidewalk, which he wasn't. He was exercising it illegally because he was amplifying his voice. I've said this at least a hundred times over the past 10 years. If you are going to go out and protest something, you have every right in the world to do it. If they arrest you in the process, you can sue them. Just like that guy up in, where was it, Pennsylvania recently is taking them to court for what they did to him. He was on one side of the road with a sign saying, you can't do these things. He was reading the Bible and doing all the things he can legally do. And the cops came and arrested him and they should be sued for what they did. This guy 
got what he deserved because he did not follow the laws of the land. From Fox, prosecutors pull U-turn, charge army vet over silent prayer within abortion clinic buffer zone. This is in the United Kingdom. Silent prayer. Now, this is one I do not agree with, and this is one that this person should challenge it, and he should sue them if the challenge goes through. Okay? A UK military veteran has been criminally charged by authorities in Bournemouth for silently praying in a buffer zone outside an abortion clinic. Remorseful for paying for an ex-girlfriend's abortion, Adam Smith Connor says he prays for the unborn Sonny Lost and for those who are contemplating abortion doing so occasionally outside clinics. He said his silent praying is indistinguishable from someone looking down at their cell phone or waiting for a taxi. That's why I think he has every right to do what he's doing. They say you can't pray or he's not doing anything to harm anybody. He is simply putting his head down and not making any noise at all, and yet they have arrested this man. However, because of a buffer zone law, local authorities issued Smith Connor a penalty notice which detailed that he had been found praying for his deceased son. So they were in his head at the time he was doing this, okay? This is the problem with this type of a law. The criminal charges carry steep monetary fines. I served for 20 years in the Army Reserves, including a tour in Afghanistan to protect the fundamental freedoms that this country is built on. I continue that spirit of service as a healthcare professional and church volunteer. It troubles me greatly to see our freedoms eroded to the extent that Thought crimes are now being prosecuted in the United Kingdom, he said. There's a problem with that. It's coming. Oh, yeah. Well, it's in the UK already. He needs to challenge this or it's going to be law after this. So he's going to see what he can do and, you know, they'll decide what they can do about it. But for you to have your head down and them to come up and arrest you is insane. From CNN, this is a real problem, folks. If you disagree with me, that's fine. But this is a real problem. More women are aiming to become church leaders. Together they could change American Christianity. Focus on change. That is the intent of these things. Among mainstream denominations that do ordain women, a sea change is occurring. A sea change. In other words, a tidal wave is occurring. The church is falling apart because of this. Now you can say I disagree with that, but the church started to degrade after the ordination of the first woman. I think it was a Methodist church in about 1890. And this has been following since then. And it is not allowed in the Bible. It is against scripture and the church is suffering because of it. More women are entering seminary and other theological programs with the intent of becoming priests. As it follows, More women are also occupying those roles after being ordained. Women and men in the church have seen abuse and suffering. They've seen, this is CNN, so you'll get the flavor of it. They've seen the role of the patriarchy in the church. They want to address constructively some of these challenges that have been facing both the church and our society, says Chief Academic Officer at Fuller Theological Seminary in Pasadena, which you mentioned on Thursday. They're saying enough of this. We need to be different. So I think a lot of these women are marshalling energy in that direction. They are destroying biblical Christianity. That is what's happening. This is against the Bible. Women have all the rights in Christ that a men do as far as position. But there are certain things that women cannot do. The Bible does not allow that. When you go away from the Bible, you will eventually have a church that no longer holds to scripture at all. They can say it's just one accommodation, It's not. 
everything follows suit after this. However, female priests still face an alarming number of challenges navigating institutional structures built by and for men, challenges that are similar to those faced by women in other workplaces. These challenges also sow deep examinations of faith. If church traditions have historically marginalized women and others, which has never been the case in the history of the church, what leads those who have been excluded to forge on anyway, as if they're some type of heroes? They are destroying the faith. They are destroying people's lives that go to churches like this, that don't know any better, that are looking for leadership, that are looking for biblical values, and the churches will suffer. And it's exactly what Paul said would happen in the end times anyway, and what Jesus speaks about in the book of Revelation chapter 2 and 3. But if you disagree with me, that's fine. You're wrong. The Bible does not allow it. From the Christian Post, here you go. Perfect example of what I just read. PC USA pastor teaches on the 139th Psalm, says she felt God's presence and no sin after two abortions. A female pastor is also a Planned Parenthood advisor, delivered a sermon in which she said she felt God's presence when she aborted two pregnancies and blasted evangelicals for their toxic theology on the subject. Toxic, this is toxic. This is toxic theology to this woman. In a sermon delivered at the Community Church of Chapel Hill Unitarian Universalists in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, the unreverend Rebecca Todd Peters spoke candidly about her own experience with abortion and how she views scripture through that lens. Wearing a pink stole emblazoned with the Planned Parenthood logo, Peters opened her message bemoaning the state of pro-life evangelicalism with its talking fetuses, aggressive bumper stickers, and saccharine billboards quoting scripture and invoking God's wrath. Now remember, when we were going through COVID, we had Newsom from California doing billboards in other states on the opposite side of this view when he doesn't even believe scripture. So you tell me who is the wrong person in this. Peters, who is also a professor of religious studies and founding director of the Poverty and Social Justice Program at Elon University, referenced the state's recently passed law banning most abortions after 12 weeks. She said the bill's passage is an example of evangelical culture setting the political tone on abortion. Peters, invoking the language of decolonization ideology, went on to claim this narrative has colonized our minds, traumatizing many people with its toxic theology and shaping a culture of stigma and shame that has silenced millions of women and people who have had abortions, erasing their voices, their stories, and their witness from the public sphere. I will tell you this, if you have had an abortion, you have not committed an eternal sin. You can be forgiven, but you must come to the cross of Jesus Christ and believe that he is the Messiah and that he did what he did for you or you will not be saved. I don't care how near God's presence you think you felt. If she has not come to Christ, she is going to be chucked into the lake of fire. That's all there is to it. Well, this is- Go back to, if she had two abortions- Yeah. She was not having sex out in marriage. Yeah, obviously. The whole thing is just, the whole thing is, it's just a screwed up person, a mentally challenged yeah. person that is trying to impose her values on Christianity Why to tear it apart. Why does anybody do anything? It's because they do not hold no, to this as sacred. That's yes. why. 
All right, we got some news from the Mideast and Africa today from Zero Hedge. Caretaker Prime Minister warns, this is about a week ago. I have not seen anything to say that it is not going to happen. Caretaker Prime Minister warns Lebanon's total economic collapse is imminent. They were supposed to do something on Monday. I checked and I haven't seen anything on it, so I have no idea what the status is, but uh, this could be a real problem for Israel. Lebanon's caretaker prime minister, Najib Mikhati, warned that the country's total economic collapse will be imminent in the event that the central bank and its newly appointed governor fail to implement reform policies called for by the IMF. Lebanon will not be able to secure medicine or pay salaries in foreign currency. In the event that the monetary and economic plan presented by the acting governor of the Banque du Levon, Mouassine Mansouri, is not approved. Mansouri's plan is consistent with the government's plans, and our goal is to approve these plans and not waste time because the goal is to save the country. Remember who is in Lebanon. If this country goes passe, who is the power that's left? Hezbollah. It's a real problem. In reference to the consultations made recently between Makati and the interim bank governor, the former said that there is harmony in the central bank with the government's plans. However, Lebanese media reported that the central bank is considering completely halting its funding of the state. Lebanon has been negotiating with the IMF in order to secure a bailout package to alleviate the severe economic crisis created by decades of corruption in the financial sector. Sounds like Washington, D.C. Washington, the IMF, and the World Bank have been accused of exploiting the country's economic crisis to exert political pressure on Lebanon. As a result of the financial crisis, the country's currency has lost 98% of its value. Then the life savings of a majority of citizens has been wiped out. Now remember, if Hezbollah does take over that country, who runs Hezbollah? That's right, Iran. So you need to uh, consider each step of the process. Lebanon could go, Iran is in charge, Gog Magog, they can come right down through Lebanon without any hindrance at all. Zero hedge, detention and ascension. Illegal migrants in UK could be sent to remote volcanic island if Rwanda plan fails. Now this is really interesting. Rwanda, years ago, you probably remember it's been about three years now, agreed to take all of the illegals that have come into the UK. They process them, put them on an airplane, and send them to Rwanda. They've agreed to it. They get monetary benefit from it. They also get a source of manpower, all of these things. But the lefties in the UK said, oh, no, 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 we, we're not going to allow that. And so they sued the government. All of that stopped before the first plane took off. It was on the runway. They stopped it. And these people have been piling up in the UK, illegal people that are doing nothing but draining the society. Ascension Island is in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Nowhere. You've got Africa here. You've got South America here. You've got Antarctica down here. And they're right in the middle. It's this little island in the middle of nowhere. It is a possession of the United Kingdom. This idea is brilliant because the lefties cannot say you can't send them to a place in the UK. Okay, migrants who arrive in Britain illegally could be transferred 4,000 miles away to the British Overseas Territory of Ascension Island if the government's plan to deport migrants to the African nation of Rwanda is thwarted. This is a great idea because once they've done this, those people are going to stop coming. When they know they're getting sent to an island in the middle of absolutely nowhere with no 
phones and all that kind of stuff. No phone, no light, no phone, no motor car, not a single luxury like Robinson Crusoe. It's primitive as can be. Okay. The conservative admin is awaiting a judgment from the Supreme Court, Britain's highest judicial authority on the legality of its Rwanda plan, which sparked outrage among liberal establishment. Under the current government proposals, Britain would pay Rwanda to accommodate deported illegal migrants who reach British soil. The plan has so far been thwarted by what the government calls left-wing lawyers who have blocked deportations using human rights legislation, which to date has been accepted by the courts. As a British territory, Ascension Island could be a viable alternative as the government attempts to de-incentivize prospective illegal migrants from crossing the English Channel from mainland Europe seeking to claim asylum in Britain. Around $5.5 million is currently being spent by the government each day on accommodating the influx of asylum seekers and resources for trying to clear the backlog of asylum applications are stretched. We are determined to make sure there isn't the pull factor for illegal migrants to come to this country. As I've said before, they go through France. France will take care of them, but they can get more in the UK. So they get on a little boat, they go to the UK, and they can sit around for the rest of their lives and do absolutely nothing and get freebies, basically to be abused by criminal organized gangs. These are international operations, and they have got to stop. So there you go. I am fully approving that. UK, take your first couple plane loads, send them to Ascension, and nobody else will come to your island. Mark my words. LifeSite. Canadian Muslims invite everyone to join million-person march against LGBT indoctrination in schools. The Muslims are starting this because they're tired of it. The September 22 protest, if you're all free on September 22, unless it's a Sunday, please go up and walk with them. The protest is set to unite all religions in the defense of children against LGBT indoctrination in Canadian schools. The only sad part about this is the Christians aren't the ones that started this. Now something interesting from Mongolia, from Politico. Mongolia wants to get closer to the United States without rattling external neighbors, Russia and China. The U.S. is not just our trading neighbor. It's the North Star for Mongolia's market economy and democratic values, says Mongolia's prime minister in an interview at the Mongolian embassy in Washington. I emphasize the importance of U.S. investment and involvement with mega projects in Mongolia. He emphasized, in particular, his hopes for U.S. investment to exploit the country's rare earths and copper reserves. The admin sees Mongolia as a candidate for mineral security partnership, an initiative with 14 mostly Western countries to bolster sustainable investment in the mining, processing, and recycling of critical minerals. Now, they got a lot of copper in Mongolia. After the last three weeks of my life, I never want to see a copper pipe again. I'll tell you that. But anyway, but tensions between the U.S. and Russia over its war on Ukraine and fears of the U.S. and China sliding into a cold war means Mongolia needs to tread carefully in its embrace of Washington. Okay, Daniel prophesied that technology would increase in the end times. This is spooky. It's very interesting, but it is spooky. This is from The Sun. Listen up. Google Mind Reading AI can tell you what you're hearing by monitoring your brain signals in an eerie experiment. 
the experiment conducted by a team of researchers from Google and Osaka University in Japan is the first of its kind. Scientists said the AI tool called Brain to Music works by analyzing brain imaging data from people who are listening to music. After examining a person's brain activity, the AI produces a song that matches the genre, rhythm, mood, and instrumentation of the music the subject was listening to. They don't know what music is being played. They're just looking at brainwaves, and they can play back the music that that person is hearing in their head. Brain imaging data that was fed to the AI pipeline was collected via a technique called fMRI. This is a type of imaging method that can show regional, time-varying changes in the brain. In other words, fMRI can see which parts of the brain are activated while a person is listening to music and when. In the experiment, participants listened to 15-second music clips of blues, classical, country, disco, hip-hop, jazz, and pop. After data was collected, the AI program was trained to identify links between elements of the music and participants' brain signals. The AI would then convert the imaging data into a form that emulates music from the original song clips. Researchers then input this data into an AI model developed by Google dubbed Music LM. The experimental AI tool works by turning your text descriptions into music. The agreement in terms of the mood of the reconstructed music and the original music was around 60%. This is the first time they ever tried it and they got 60%. In a couple of years, kids are going to have imaging things that they can poke at their parents' head and see what they're thinking. I, I'm telling you, 60% on the first time that they have done this is unbelievable. The method is pretty robust across the five subjects we evaluated. If you take a new person and train a model for them, it's likely that it will also work well. Uh, it's a dangerous world, including the inevitable plagues the book of Revelation prophesies of. This is really good news, folks. I'm being sarcastic before I read this. <laughs> CNBC. Red Cross ends blood donation restrictions that singled out gay and bisexual men. The Red Cross is implementing new FDA screening guidelines that apply to all potential donors and are based on an individual risk assessment. The Red Cross provides about 40% of the nation's blood supply. Under the new FDA guidelines, men in monogamous sexual relationships with other men are eligible to donate as long as they meet other screening criteria. Previously, men who had sex with men had to remain abstinent for three months before donating blood. They should be disqualified forever, but forget that. The Red Cross said in a statement that the waiting period based on a history of a certain type of sex appears to unfairly target gay and bisexual men. So they're going by PC to judge your blood supply. The nonprofit group said it is working with the FDA to make the blood donation guidelines more inclusive inclusive include yeah there you I'm go excluded she's that. excluded i'm excluded we're both excluded for life unbelievable Stupid. from the gateway yeah she went to the uk once shame on you disgusting from the gateway pundit thomas jefferson university president steps down after liking tweets critical of covid vaccines and gender affirming surgeries that's all he did was like a tweet of He's critical of COVID vaccines and gender-affirming surgeries, and he had to step down from his position. Wow. Next 
title. Listen to this. Zero hedge. No limit. Zero. No limit. Elon Musk says he'll fund lawsuits against employers who fired workers over their Twitter history. That person there has a case to get his job back and sue them. He has every right to like a tweet without losing his job. In Elon Musk, they've already got people that have applied for this. Elon Musk says, no limits. I will sue anybody that is affected by Twitter. Yes, good for him. Frontline. This is the ultimate gaslight here. Pfizer. It's in Australia. Nobody was forced to take a vaccine. (laughs) Australian Pfizer officials tried to claim no one was forced to take the COVID-19 injections, instead saying people were offered an opportunity to take the shots. (laughs) Queensland Senator Pauline Hanson expressed her shock after Dr. Hewitt commented that nobody had been forced to take the injection. You were in Australia during the COVID-19, said Hanson. You must have been fully aware that people, nurses, doctors, people, to have their jobs, to keep their jobs, were forced to have the vaccination. Now, do you retract your statement that they were not forced? Dr. Hewitt reaffirmed his claim that there had been no vaccine mandate, only an opportunity. Senator, no, I believe firmly that nobody was forced to have a vaccine. Mandates are vaccine requirements determined by governments and health authorities. Our belief, everybody was offered an opportunity to get a vaccine or not get a vaccine. I don't believe that anyone was forced to get a vaccine, said Dr. Hewitt. I I did letters for people all over this world, including Australia, for people that said, I want a religious exemption. And many of them were turned down. They were forced. Morality is declining from NBC. Inside the online world of people who think they can change their race. Now remember, this is, this is NBC and they're saying people can't change their race. Listen to this. NBC. Practitioners of what they call race change to another or RCTA purport to be able to manifest physical changes in their appearance and even their genetics to become a different race. They tune into subliminal videos that claim can give them an East Asian appearance or a Korean DNA. Now, obviously, that's stupid, but consider who is writing this. But experts, now who are experts, underscore that it is simply impossible to change your race. It's just belief, said Jamie Cohen, an assistant professor of culture and media studies at Queens College of New York. It doesn't ever really work because it's not doing anything. But they have convinced themselves that it works because there's other people who have convinced themselves as well. Media experts also point to the potential dark side of the exocitization of Asian culture, saying it could be a form of modern yellow face. Now, these people want to go from white to being Asian, and you can't do that. Think of Michael Jackson here, okay? Experts agree race is not genetic. But they contend that even though race is a cultural construct, it is impossible to change your race because of the systemic inequalities inherent to being born into a certain race. So they say you have a right as a white person that other people don't have, and now you want to be yellow, and you don't have a right to become yellow even though you're white, and you have something that nobody else has. You see how stupid this is? Okay. In addition, Freud said, the modern concept of race is inseparable from the systematic racial hierarchy hundreds of years in the making. 
Simply put, changing races is not possible because biological races themselves are not real. Freud added that the idea of changing one's race operates differently depending on a person's racial background and that white people who seek to transition to other races, now think of Michael Jackson, can often sidestep the harms of racism. They want to be dark. How do you sidestep the racism if you want to be dark? Tick Milan, a black transgender activist and writer said that it is a disservice to transgender people to compare the two. So it's okay to change your sex, but it's not okay to change your race. Both are governed by DNA, folks. Yeah, he's a cis racist. Race historically emerged as a social construct to establish a racial hierarchy with white race at the top. So what's the problem with wanting to be black or yellow? You see, this is the entire thing. This is NBC actually put this out. Okay, whereas variances in gender identity have existed for thousands of years. And I would say that gender differences have existed since the first man and woman. When it comes to who are as radicalized people, it is how we present to the world, but it's also how people treat you, Milan said. It's not just putting on the hair and the makeup and talking and walking in a kind of way. That is fetishizing, and it is objectifying, and it reduces the beautiful and complicated cultures of people of color. Once again, Michael Jackson. The entire thing is insane that is going on in this world today. Insane. Okay, we got some other news here from NTD. Money flees China. Foreign investment drops 80%. Investors are fleeing China. That seems to be the trend as Beijing struggles with economic woes. Foreign direct investment in China is now one-fifth of what it was last year. China saw a meager $20 billion in direct investment in the first quarter compared to $100 billion last year. I've got a friend right now that is looking to move from China to Vietnam, an entire industry that he has over there. To make matters worse, China is seeing record low tourism. People don't want to go there. Okay. We all know him. I won't say his name, but he attends this church in the wintertime, and he wants to move from China to Vietnam, his business. So they are losing a lot, and they're losing more by the day. Zero Hedge, $9 billion spent on salmon recovery in Oregon. You know all those things they did to make the salmon get back up the river? Has produced few, in other words, zero discernible results. Today in your tax dollars at work news, the state of Oregon has found that a $9 billion that is doled out to help its salmon population has failed to produce any discernible results. Hundreds of projects on the Columbia River Basin, which they have undertaken, including habitat restoration to bounty programs on other fish that prey on salmon, have all failed to produce results. The study looked at 50 years of salmon return data from the lowest dam on the Columbia River to the study that found that before the dams went up, 16 million salmonids returned to the basin each year. By the 2010s, that number had fallen to 1.5 million. For a long time, there have been questions about the effectiveness of a wide range of activities taken to try to restore salmon and steelhead in their Columbia River Basin. We do not find evidence of an increase in wild fish. $9 billion thrown away. Yeah, National Pulse. 
UK Tories enforced, these are the right wing, the Tories. UK Tories enforce diversity quotas for new members of parliament. If you have seen the Tory parliament, it is the most diverse parliament I have ever seen in my life. It's not enough. So now they're forcing on their people. The UK's Conservative Party has implemented new diversity quotas and guidelines for selecting candidates would be members of parliament. The targets include age as well as ethnicity and gender. Diversity quotas are in place even before candidates are considered as the party's shifting committee, which is responsible for sorting through applicants after applying for the position, must have specific characteristics. The shifting committee must comprise a minimum of one woman and one young person under the age of 30. The additional association members of the committee should reflect the different interests of the constituency. For example, should have a balance of gender, age, and ethnicity. So they're not going for who's most qualified. That's not, no. that's not a consideration. After the initial sift, the selection committee must recognize their responsibility to ensure their candidates are chosen in a way that displays diversity and variety and which has a due regard to the local profile of the constituency and guarantees a balance of genders. The selection rules are also state that the process must be inclusive and free from discrimination. Well, you're discriminating against the most qualified candidate and fully acknowledge and embrace diversity, except when considering female candidates, in which case some degree of positive discrimination is permitted. The rules add that anything considered indirect discrimination is prohibited, meaning any requirement that could have a disproportionate impact on one group. From Just the News. Doctors sue California over training that whites are naturally racist. These doctors are tired of this and they're suing California. Good. A coalition of California doctors, including the anti-discrimination group Do No Harm, filed a lawsuit against California's mandated implicit bias training for physicians. Note, in other words, if you're a physician, you have to go to training that says you are biased if you are white. That is the law in California. AB 241, passed by lawmakers in 2019, requires all continuing medical education courses to include implicit bias training. Because 50 CME hours are required each year to maintain one's medical license, the law essentially mandates that practitioners consume these lessons or lose their ability to earn their livelihoods while also replacing limited course time with unnecessary or counterproductive information. In other words, you don't have to take courses to be a doctor and to stay being a doctor. That's not important. They have to have 50 hours to keep their license. It doesn't have to be a doctor anymore. It can be implicit bias training. But by law, it has to be implicit bias training. The case was originally filed by the Pacific Legal Foundation on behalf of, sounds like a white person to me, Dr. Azadeh Katabi. She's Persian, an ophthalmology specialist who immigrated to the U.S. from Iran when she was six. Katabi, who is also a CME instructor, filed the case because she does not want to be compelled to include discussion of implicit bias in her courses because there's no relevance to her topics or discussion of other topics is more relevant to minimize treatment outcome disparities, wrote the foundation in their complaint. 
In their complaint, the foundation also noted that evidence that implicit bias exists at all is mixed and that improper implicit bias training is proven to often backfire, inducing more anger and resentment than before. And I can tell you, Charlie Garrett is feeling it right now. I bet some of you are too. Zero Hedge. Oregon allows self-serve gas. New Jersey now the only state in the nanny state prohibition. I didn't know I don't know if you knew that, but two states in the United States said you cannot pump your own gas. New Jersey and Oregon. Oregon finally has said you can pump your own gas. I went out there, I was in Oregon, I didn't know, and I'm this guy came running out. No! It was like a slow motion movie. I thought he was like going after a, a criminal or something. And he says, get away from that. I said, what's the matter? He said, you could cause an explosion. They have these people trained that they are unqualified to pump gas. All of the rest of America is qualified to pump gas. For decades. Yeah, for decades. No, but you know, I think the reason why they did this was so that you had to employ people, okay? But let's talk about ridiculous, okay? But this guy was literally scared to death that I was gonna blow up his gas station. Okay, from the Hill. Iowa governor taps COVID funds. You know, the left has been doing this for months and months, taking COVID funds and buying crazy stuff. And listen to this. Iowa governor taps COVID funds to send troops to the Mexico border. Western Journal, new study. Most electric vehicles cost more to charge than filling up a car with gas. Shocking. From the post-millennial. Listen to this. This is great. This will be part of Trump's defense in the coming days. Mike Pence accidentally admits he had legal ability to turn 2020 election over to the House of Representatives. But he didn't mean to do it. He just accidentally said it. Following Trump's arraignment on conspiracy, Mike Pence said that the 2020 election results would have been turned over to the House of Representatives if he rejected the Electoral College votes. It wasn't just to ask for a pause. The president specifically asked me and his gaggle of crackpot lawyers asked me to literally reject votes, which would have resulted in the issue being turned over to the House of Representatives, which means that it is exactly what the law allows. And literally chaos would have ensued, said Pence. People can read the indictment. And frankly, I've said before, I had hoped that it had not come to this point. You know, I don't know if the government can meet the standard, the burden of proof beyond reasonable doubt for criminal charges, but the American people deserve to know that President Trump and his advisors didn't just ask me to pause, they asked me to reject votes, return key votes, essentially to overturn the election. No, to allow the House to do its job. That means that efforts to prepare for that could not have been an illegal conspiracy. And now that is out. That has been made public and Trump will be able to use that in his defense. Who said it? There is more than one way to burn a book. And the world is full of people running about with lit matches. Think of burning a book. Fahrenheit 415. Ray Bradbury. Didn't he write that? I think he did. Anyway, we got people burning books all over. Wikipedia, Google, think of it, YouTube. He didn't even know what that stuff was, but he was absolutely right. 
Book burners, that's all they are. They're taking away people's rights. They are the Nazis in this world, the people throwing books on the fire. Okay, got a less Rick here for you. Let's see if you can figure out what he's talking about. For some salmon, the future looks bleak without paddle and yet up the creek. There are those that will pray, but not truth, life, or way because it is Dagon they seek. Dagon is the god of fish in the Philistines. So that was very well done. Okay, got some irony here for you, but before I do, I will let you know that there is hope beyond this world. Okay, I uh, something I said uh, not too long ago, uh, maybe four or five uh, weeks, maybe a little longer than that. A gentleman was going down the road on a bicycle, one of those electric bikes that goes a little faster, and he lost his control and. He's here going down to the beach, and he had had knee surgery at some point, and his knee was completely huge. He was in terrible shape, was all eaten up all over. The paramedics had to come, had to take care of him. And I told people, you never know what's coming in life. You don't know when your last moment is. You know, we had the same thing happen to a guy here, by the way. I won't point him out, but he's in that side of the church. Exact same thing. He was in bad shape for a while. But um, you don't know how you can be harmed in the next minute. Yesterday, my brother sent me a video of a guy on Mail Online. Uh, the car's rolling, and he got ejected right out of the car and was thrown over another car. It was, you know, so you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen in life. A couple days ago, I was visiting some friends at a restaurant um, having lunch. I haven't seen them in a few years, and I went to high school with them. And there was that guy, and he's all healed up. And so he came up, and we talked for a while. Uh, I'm very glad that he's alive. But the point I'm making is he may not have been alive. He could have died from that accident. A, a truck, uh, I think, ran him off the road. You know, uh, anyway, he was riding his bike. Something involved with the truck, but it did not hit him. Okay, if that happens to you and you're not expecting it and your car starts going like this and you get ejected out, the chances of you living are very, very slim. You are going to meet your creator at that time. Okay, if you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It is not going to be a friendly meeting, okay? The whole point of your existence is to glorify God. Amen. And the way that you glorify God is by having a personal relationship with him through the giving of his son, okay? So I would ask you today, before you do anything else, to consider the gospel, that Jesus died for your sins, that Jesus was buried, and Jesus rose again. That is the gospel. There's nothing you can add to it. That's it. Jesus died for your sins according to Scripture. Jesus was buried. Jesus rose again the third day according to Scripture. If you will believe that simple gospel, you will be saved. And then from there, I would ask that you would use your life to glorify God. It may be a life that lasts another day. It may be a life that goes on for another 50 years. Hopefully not. Hopefully the Lord will be back for us at the rapture. But listen, please consider your state before God. This is a terrible world. You see it every week. There is goodness at the end if you have called on Jesus. Okay, a couple ironies. Uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah, this is ironic. Bronx Times, director of Bronx anti-gun violence organization is busted for drug trafficking scheme and gun possession. <laughs> yes, and then this one is definitely ironic. Uh, does everybody here, before I read this, know what Zoom is? Zoom is where you do things through the, uh, okay, Arts Technica. Zoom has Zoom fatigue, requires workers to return to the office. 
Such is the world in which we live. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett, and that is your CG Prophecy Report for the week.